Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. So, um, yeah, my what was burning today was to share some testimonies with you guys from the last, from a bit of my walk with God. I know I've been in the com- in the community and around for a while, and some of you would have heard my stories on an individual level, but and experiences. But I wanted to bring a more holistic um, encouragement of what God can do and who God is. So first I would like to start off with the, with sort of my testimony of reason, of logic. Um, I had come, my walk with God started as a, I, I was born into a Christian family, I grew up in that environment, but very soon I found myself off and in um, doing my own thing. I'd uh, been hurt by the church locally in some ways, and uh, that encouraged me to go to um, gangs and a cult group. Um, but in the cult group, I got to see, I got, I experienced spiritual realities of, of guys that could tell who was in the next room without being able to see them. You could, if they knew the person, they could feel spiritually who was in the next room. You could move people around and they would know they'd be able to tell who was in the next room without being able to see them. Or another situation where um, this guy was a sick down black belt in karate and I was able to, I was sleeping over at his ha- house once and we were talking about it the night before and I stood at the, he, he was one of the guys that would um, sleep really late in the morning and I woke up early. And I'd stand at the entrance of his room and look at him because I'm bored and start picturing like murdering him in brutal ways. Not because I really wanted to, but just doing that in any case. And he would wake up, uh, he would like jump out of his bed, be ready to defend himself because he could feel the intent to harm. Uh, And this was sort of, I became aware of the existence of a spiritual realm that could not be denied or argued against. And um, that all went, when I got into university, I think the big point that started moving me towards God was from, I studied psychology. Um, and during this time, I, I heard a testimony that started with one of the big sh- struggles for the Christian world to explain has been cre- the story of creation. and the argument of the world being, is it 8,000, 10,000, or 5 billion years old, you know? Um, About 150, 200 years ago, the world, um, everyone believed that the world was at most 4 to 5,000, 6,000 years old, that the Egyptians and Mesopotamia was the oldest civilizations. And with, as people have tried to implement the idea of evolution theory and a lot more and they run into problems um, it's just not long enough for the amount of change to happen that needs to have happened so you, you'll notice at different intervals they keep going extending it oh maybe maybe these places were around 12,000 and then they'll go a bit longer and oh maybe it's 
a couple of million and then a couple of billion because more and more time is needed for the amount of change to happen. The only way that that could have happened in a short time is if there was outside intervention, if somebody else, some maybe a god, um, was involved in the creation process. Um, and I'll describe this to you in like uh, poker, for example, right? Um, a royal straight flush in poker, is you got one out of 650,000 the chance of seeing that. You get to see that once in your life, it's wow, this is amazing. Um, even if it didn't happen to you, you know? Um, <laughs> um, and then you play the next round and the guy gets it again. Wow, twice in a row, you're so lucky. Third time, fourth time, fifth time. When do you start to be, hey, you're cheating? Yeah? Um, for, if you really unpack it, for the, the, the chart, this has happened thousands, hundreds of thousands times over for creation to have happened by chance to get here. Um, so that's one point. The whole point of morals and ethics, um, do they have a, how do, what's the point morally to do something right or wrong if there is no higher being dictating that, if there is no um, greater motivation. If, and, and this was a thing that I really struggled with during psychology because on an ethical basis, how do you help people? How do you help people mentally? How do you help people towards something if there is no more grounding for what's right and what's wrong, what's normal and what's not normal? And in, in a world where there's this increasing movement towards identity and justification of everything, um, how far away are people from being, oh, you're depressed, that's just your identity. You're a depressed identity. Or you're a depressed um, anxiety. And maybe this is happening to some degree with the uh, gender community at the moment, that rather than getting the help they need, they're like, oh, you just like this or like that. Um, so eventually it's just going to keep, you need some sort of moral compass or some sort of line to, you know, normality to bring people to because otherwise it just spins out of control. And many, many psychologists or scientists in this line of field have ended up reaching the conclusion that the best life you can live is to be high on drugs or alcohol until you die because if there's no, nothing further than that, that is bliss. Nothing is wrong. That is the best, everything is great. But that's just not something that sits all right with me and I think much of the wider community, if you're boiling it down at the end of the day, that is what it ends up to. Even if you unpack the whole idea of, uh, they say, evolution has happened from natural selection, right? People are, the strong have been able to survive and the weak has, you, you know, they've died out. But then the morals and the whole looking after people, thou shall not murder or, you know, it's universally an, a good idea regardless of not to murder people, regardless of if, if they had exposure to Christian community or not. This is 
So if survival of the fittest was the compass for that, um, <laughs> having morals and humanities in as such a big part in everyday common social life, how did how does that happen? It shouldn't. There's no sense for that. Um, so, in the field of psychology, I started to try, you know, what is the motivation to help people? What is the, the motivation to make a difference? And ultimately, I, I gravitated towards the fullness of life, helping people live the best life that they can live. What is that? The world says, measurably, the best life you can live is drugs, die, that's it. Um, I think there's so much more to that. And one of the ways that I started looking into that was the Bible. What does the Christian source, source for that say? Um, the Christian, Christian life is the best. So this, I was not yet a Christian at this point, but I was starting to look into it. Um, I would like Jeremiah 1.5. Fantastic. Um, for I know the plans... For, for I knew before <laughs> I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I'd set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. God, the fullness of life is in God. Um, in, a logic, in, in, in a logical sense, he's your, if he's your creator... He knows what you were designed for. He knows how you were made. He knows how he put you together. And he formed you before, before the foundations of the earth were laid. He knew you and he had a plan and he had a purpose for your life. Um, let's go to Ephesians uh, 4 and 11. Fantastic. Um, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. He had, Christ has already planned way back then to, he knew what was going to happen. He, he knew where we were going to be and this is him. And even so, he went forward with creating you because he had loved he had such a love for you even before that. Um, and so, uh, on to 11. Furthermore, because we are united in Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he has chosen us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. So, God's got a purpose for your life. Um, now, just I want the last one on to that, just laying it on extra thick, communicating the message. Psalms uh, 44 21. God would surely have known it, for he knows the secrets of every heart. All right. God knows you in and out, he knows what motivates you, he knows what gets you up in the morning, he, he knows what your strengths and weaknesses are. He knows how he designed and developed you. And he loves you as you are. You are 
good, you are right, you are the way he intended it to be. And you have a purpose. Now, the fullness of life will be in walking out as that's supposed to be in his will for you and what he's got for you. That is where you will have the best life. Because he knows what, how he developed you. He knows how where your strengths are. He knows where your weaknesses are. He knows where your giftings are. He knows what will give you life. And the, the, the Bible is so full of these promises. The fullness of life is in walking out that life and the calling that God has for you. Now, in psychology, the World Health Organization says one of the biggest problems facing the world at the moment is that of anxiety and depression as a mental health problem. And the leading cause for anxiety and depression is loss of identity or unsure of what your identity is. And if you and it doesn't take much to look around us at the moment of all the things that are trying or vying for what to take or to tell you what your identity is or where, some, where you can derive identity from. Um, from social media to clubs to... <laughs> there is so much. I, I don't really need to go into that. But um, what, where do you draw your identity from? Do you draw your identity from the groups that you're in, your family, your job, your career, your passions? These things can change so quickly and so easily. There's one form of identity that has remained the same since before creation, today, and forevermore, and that is Jesus, and that is God. So, yeah. Um, so me wrapping up my studies, I'm like, okay, this is where I am mentally. Logically, God makes sense. But how can I be... You know, logically, God seems to be real. Logically, God has all those things. There's so much reason to believe in God. Um, so then, in 2018, I, as things worked out, I ended up going to a discipleship training school in y with YWAM in Scotland, in Seymour. Um, and there, I started to encounter the power of God. And um, one, one of these things happened, my brother, um, so the, the surest proof of the existence of God is the witnessing of his power and of his character, for, at least for me. And so this started off one of the first experiences of this. My brother had a vision. Now, at this point, I wasn't into that stuff, and I was like, oh, that's rubbish. That's, how does that make any sense? And... One day, I had a similar experience, and I ended up sharing, sharing what I viewed. I was on this like mountain. I was a general commanding some armies and things like that. Uh, won't go into the details. But um, my brother had had the same vision or experience from one of the troop captains that I was ordering around. Um, and I was like, this is so strange. How is this possible? You know? Um, so I was asking him question after question. What did the trees look like? What did the soldiers look like? What did the rocks look like? What, did I, what was the sky? What, but everything was the same. How 
that that's my starting to open and be aware of you know okay god god does stuff god still talks god still engages in power um then so i if we can lift up the photos i went to um all right that's the last one in them but anyway um the um the I, I went, we went on outreach, this is my first outreach missions thing anyway, to um, uh, Inverness, right? And it was the first time we were staying in the hostel there, and they, we, the first day we are going to do it, go out and do missions, and the leader's like, okay, we're going to pray for vision and insight on what we're going to do today. And the person's like, and I saw um, this uh, bookstore, um, the a river, a white bridge, and the red doors with number 44 and 47. And I was like, okay, this is, this is ridiculous, you know. I'm not going to say anything about that, really. Um, but then the leaders, um, I don't know, God gave them a wisdom and was like, called me out. And they were like, did you get anything? And I very begrudgingly or jokingly shared what I'd seen. And they're like, okay, now let's go see if we could find this. And I think now if you go to the last one and then start coming forward, um, yeah, walked out of the hostel. Um, the building, that building was like a second-hand bookstore library thing. Um, okay, wow. Walk a bit further down the road. There's a river. Over the river is this white bridge, quite literally. Um, going across the white bridge and okay you, this was my biggest surprise you know because the the ordering of doors it's 40 all the even numbers are on the same side right um, so how would the 44 and the 47 be next to each other that's not that doesn't happen but going forward uh, uh, over the bridge there was the red door with the gold 44 like I saw it and um, the I didn't take the, the close-up picture of it, but the next door over was uh, 47, um, and words words can't explain how I'd never been there before. I'd never seen this stuff. I'd never when I found myself doubting. This has been one of the theme, memories that I could go for go to. Um, of just, there is no other way to explain that. Um, and then there's healings. Healings. We have seen that in the church. This church I, has, there have been people amongst you in the midst, there's testimonies here of healings. That, and that is so wonderful to see God moving in a church and a community like that. Um, so, yeah. If, if there was no God, How's the power of God work? How, when you pray, do you see these things happen? So, okay, at this point, I'm sort of, my relationship with God became one that was very top-down, you know, like, he's the boss, asking for directions, he's the king, you know, God, what must I do next, kind of thing. And in my relationship or journey coming back as being a missionary, you're in the other places and coming back here, God has really been teaching me on relationship, how much he wants to do life with you. 
not you for him, not, not as a servant, not as a, not as a slave, but as a son or a daughter. He wants to do life with you. Um, psychology again, we are social beings. If, we, if you are isolated, that's bad. Uh, it just, it's not good for your mental health. It's not good for your physical health. It's just isolation wears you down. Um, we are made for relationship. We flourish in friendships, in communities, in families. That is what brings out all the best characters of us, as well as some of the worst, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I'm going to go over to, uh, if we can get the Revelations 3.20. Uh, verse, fantastic. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. How intimate is that? Um, Jesus ate with everyone and anyone. I, it's one of the real advantages or like celebrations I have in doing work and ministries with um, the a Chinese com community in Glasgow is uh, the Chinese people have, when they greet each other, it's not like, how are you doing or how's the weather? It's like, have you eaten? That's how it translates, have you eaten? Um, it's so relationally and community-based. Um, on to Matthew 11. Then Jesus said, come to me if all who are... Uh, weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light just adding to life with God it's, it's not he's not Ordering, He doesn't want one where he's sitting on your head, do this, do that, do this, do that. He wants to do life with you. He wants to be... Some of, um, some of the community has been to their trip to Israel and have come back from that. I know Alex is one that expresses the joy of the Spirit, the joy of the Lord that has come on him. That is, that is such a wonderful testimony of how God wants to engage and do life with you. The, as you do life, you, um, last week, um, I was so excited to see the amount of people that were engaging in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit carries these gifts of joy, gentleness, kindness, um, faithfulness. Yes, there's a whole list. It is beautiful. It is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And is such a key to that fullness of life. In what, what gives you fullness in life? What gives you life? What gives you energy? What excites you? God wants to work with these. He wants to work with you. He wants to, you, it is easy to, well, there's challenges, but the joy of the Lord and the love and all the relationship and these things as it all comes together. Um, let's go to Corinthians 12, 
12. The human body has many parts, but many parts make up the one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. And you are the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. You, you are the church. They, there's, there's a pastor for the church, which is very great, and there's worship people, and there's so many roles in the church, but you all are the church. You all have a role to play in the church. You are all contributing to the relationship, to the anointing, to the joy, and to the presence of God in this place. Now, if we move over to Ephesians... Four. Um, now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such a unity in our faith and our knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. This is possible. But, again, okay, so, the God's five gifts to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. These, th this is the body of the church. All of you carry giftings or anointings in these areas, in one way or another, to build up the church to build up your community, to build up the environment. You don't have to be full-time in any of these, but you are doing, that is who you are equipped and called to be in your, as you move, as you do your life. And um, they, I was taught this by somebody, an easy way to remember these. So you got the five, the five gifts. It's just like the, you, you got five fingers on your hand. The thumb is the apostle. Um, the apostles are generally those that are building up things or starting things and um, have a good way to get things going. They've usually got a wide range of giftings, but they're not actually very good at one thing, you know, a, jack of, a bit of a jack of all trades. Um, they get things started and then they're like, get a team to get into it and boop, they're out to do the next thing. Good luck. They're gone. Um, the prophets have a tendency to be see things or have sensitivity, sensitivity to the spirit and will be like pointing out, this is what you're doing, this is what's going on, that's that, that's that. Um, the evangelists, um, I'm not going to do it, but um, the middle finger, they, they're a bit like, they, they tell it like it is. They, they've got no time to worry about, um, we've we got to save their souls. We've got to get the people into the kingdom. We've got to save the people. And so that's just brutal and like it is often, straight to the point. Um, then the pastors, um, the ring finger, they are shepherds. They are people who care and look after and provide and support and cover. And then the little finger, that's the one that best moves, gets all the grime out of their ears so that people can hear 
and learn and grow, teachers. And yeah, you, you've all got giftings in this field. You've got giftings to teach, you've got giftings to care, you've got giftings to teach. Some are better than others and have different roles in that, but that is, that is God's purpose for the church. Um, so I'm on to the 15 and 16, just to complete that idea. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. All these parts work together. They build the church. They build community. They build the fullness of life. This, this is what we strive for. This is what we hope for. This is bringing heaven to earth. This is building kingdom. Cool. Fantastic. I want to share quickly how I came to the church. Uh, two, two years ago, uh, when I arrived at the Seymour Center, I had a vision of the inside of a building, and I had absolutely no idea where it was. And I'd asked some questions, found some things out, and hopped on a bus, came, arrived here about two hours early because the buses only went in two-hour slots, um, and wandered around the exploring and almost got lost and didn't get back to the church on the start time. But I, I came in here and was like, whoa, this is totally the place that I'd seen in the vision. Um, and very, very lovely, a very nice elderly gentleman named Alex comes over and he's like <laughs> the first person I spoke to and he's like, hello, are you new here? And Praise the Lord, he's from West Kilbride and he can drive me that I don't have to take the bus two hours early every time. But um, this, guys, this church has been an amazing experience for me. The community that you've got here, the things that has been stewarded, it has been such a blessing to be a part of it for the last two years. And I just, I really want to encourage all of you in what you're carrying and what you're moving, that you're doing a great, great job. And I want to, yeah, just thank you. Thank you for this great experience. It's been one of my best church experiences anywhere. And, yeah, may, may, you, may you continue to grow in your, in your loving, loving God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and loving each other as you do yourself. Um, and finally, I want to just, the power of invitation. In the two, two years that I've done mission work and stuff around here, so often the, many of the people that I've spoken to have not gone to church for 20, 30, 40 years, and they'll be like, yeah, it's a good idea to go to church. But, you know, after being, not being for so long, it is hard to get into the community. It's scary to go into a new environment. And isolation is a bit of a thing in these parts. So I just, and the amount of 
how easy it could be to bring somebody into an environment with just an invitation. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter. Thank you.